Welcome to your favorite F word podcast, where we dive deep into conversations around food, fitness, feelings, with the occasional fuck thrown in. We're your hosts, Sarah and Nicola, owners of Paradigm Nutrition and Performance, nutrition coaches, besties, and most importantly, humans. This show is for coaches, self-growth-oriented folks, active humans, or anyone looking to deepen their understanding and relationship with food, movement, and themselves. Thanks for tuning in, and we cannot wait to share this space with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Your Favorite F Word podcast. Sarah and Nicola here on the flippity flip. (laughs) Hello. With another very, very important topic. If you didn't catch our last episode, episode 13, we talked about nutrition periodization. And we'll start this episode by saying it again, we cannot diet forever. So today's episode, we're going to talk about what to do instead. Um, In the last episode, we talked about kind of what happens to our body when we diet, why it is not sustainable, and how nutrition periodization can help us achieve our body composition or weight loss goals without the frustrating plateaus and negative long-term health consequences. So in that episode, we talked about the four main phases of dieting, our diet phase, our maintenance phase, surplus phase. And today we wanted to give some extra love to probably our favorite and an often overlooked phase, which is the reverse diet. So the reverse diet is often a step that's missed when we are pursuing weight loss. And it's really kind of the diet after the diet, because once we've lost weight, we need a way to keep that weight off. And what we often see is individuals finishing a diet phase or a weight loss phase or being successful with weight loss in the short term, but then reverting back to old habits or not understanding the ways in which our bodies have adapted to that weight loss and thus gaining weight back, oftentimes gaining even more weight back than before they started the initial weight loss phase. So the reverse diet is a crucial step in maintaining that weight loss um, and just making it something that's sustainable for the rest of your life. Yeah, well said. (laughs) So in this episode, um, this will be for anyone who has goals. Oh man, this word, goals to like tone or gain muscle or lose fat. Anyone who is feeling like they are riding the diet roller coaster. And for anyone and everyone who just wants to learn more about the reverse dieting process so you can be more sustainable in your weight loss changes. So in today's ep, we will cover what is a reverse diet, how and why does it work, how to go about reverse dieting for yourself, and then some considerations and takeaways for your own personal journey. Okay, getting right into it. So first thing we're going to cover, what is a reverse diet? This is where we would let the audience answer since they all listened to last week's ep. Yes. You you all got this. What is a reverse diet? Okay. Oh, just, and a sea of hands just yeah. <laughs> pop up into the air. Okay, just in case they didn't listen to the last episode. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll walk us through that. 
So a reverse diet then is a gradual and very intentional increase in calories. In your deficit, when you were pursuing weight loss, hopefully you kept the protein high so that we can maintain as much muscle mass as possible. Um, so when we're increasing calories then in the reverse diet, as long as protein was high prior, the increases in calories are primarily coming from carbs and fats. In general, when we're looking at the timeline of a reverse diet, for most folks, the slower the increase, the better in order to mitigate as much of the weight change and body composition changes as possible. However, it's also unrealistic to expect that your body weight and body composition to stay the exact same. Because remember, we are adding calories. Um, this will be especially true for folks who lost a significant amount of weight in their deficit or got very, very lean. The reverse diet process will change some of that, but the goal is to get your uh, metabolism back up to a good spot, increase those calories and do so while preventing as much gain as possible, essentially. Yeah, for sure. And there's multiple time, there's multiple situations where we would like to reverse diet um, or where it would be beneficial. And we'll talk about that. Um, but it's also important to recognize that if we're reverse dieting, not after a weight loss phase, maybe we're doing it to increase our maintenance calories or um, just improve our overall metabolic foundation or base, we might see positive changes in our body composition. It's probably not going to look like a decrease on the scale. Okay. But often we're going to benefit from increased energy output, um, better performance, et cetera. And those are going to then result in changes in body composition. So we need to understand that, okay, we're not going into the reverse diet with a goal of losing weight or, you know, leaning out or losing fat, but we also can benefit in a body composition pursuit. Yeah, so. that's going to vary a lot individual to individual, but we definitely have had clients who through the reverse diet process have ended up feeling more comfortable with their body composition as a result. For sure. Cool. Okay, so then let's go into kind of how and why does a reverse diet work? Okay, because basically the foundation of a reverse diet is that the increase in calories is allowing our body to function better. Okay, so our metabolism is increasing, which means we're burning more calories on a day-to-day -day basis. Our hormones are stabilizing. Okay, if we've been dieting for a long time, they've probably downregulated. So we're allowing those to get back to a healthier level. Um, but it's also important to recognize that it is a bit more complicated than just calories in versus calories out. Um, so why don't we kind of break down our energy expenditure? Yeah. So when we talk about calories in calories out, that is essentially like the energy balance equation where the calories in are the foods that we're eating and any liquids containing calories that we drink versus the calories out, which becomes more complicated. A lot of times people think calories out, oh, that's just the calories I burn during exercise. But when we're talking about calories out, we need to look at our total daily energy expenditure or TDEE for short. And within that, there are four various components that essentially equate to the total calories that we burn in a day. And that's not just looking at exercise. So when we break those down, there is our basal metabolic rate or BMR. Okay. And those are the calories that we are going to be burning just to live. Okay. To keep our hormones functioning, to be able to breathe and 
keep our blood pumping through our heart and all of those types of crucial um, functions that our body performs. Okay, so that's our basal metabolic rate. We have our NEAT or our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's the calories that we burn through just like moving about our day. So right now I'm a hand talker. I'm oh my God, you should see her waving hands right now. So many um, calories burning over there. So that's neat, right? Um, walking around, walking from our car to the office, going up. Standing in the kitchen, doing your meal prep, yeah. playing around with your dog. Yeah, those are all neat, okay? We have thermic effect of food which is the calories that our body expends to digest and break down and absorb the food that we eat and different types of foods and different macronutrients specifically have different thermic effects of food. Okay. So for example, protein has the highest thermic effect of food, which means that our body expends the most energy to break down and absorb the protein that we eat. So a higher protein diet inherently then results in us quote unquote, burning more calories throughout the day. Right. Don't I mean, it's don't take that out of context. It's very minimal. <laughs> you don't need to now just like go on a freaking carnivore diet because we're going to burn more calories. Oh my God. But it's important to recognize all of the different ways in which our body exerts energy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is what Nicola explained, what most of us think of it's our exercise activity thermogenesis. Okay. And that is the calories our body burns through intentional exercise or training. Mm -hmm. so all four of those components make up the energy that we expend in a day. And I think it's important to note that of those four, they all contribute in different amounts to our total daily energy expenditure. So our BMR, so that's the calories we burn. If we laid on the couch and watched Grey's Anatomy all day, you're still burning 70% approximately of the total daily energy expenditure that you would, you know, on a normal day today expend. So if your like maintenance or your general TDEE is 2000 calories, you're burning 70% of those literally just laying on the couch, getting your grazed doses, Yeah, you know? Fuck yeah. Um, neat. So like the fidgeting, the moving around all day, that's contributing about 15%. Um, TEF is somewhere around 10 and our exercise is shockingly maybe like 5% for most people. Um, it's definitely going to be different if you are a high-performing athlete who's training a bunch, but for gen pop, like it's not much. And so I think what we forget a lot of the time is that if exercise is only so little, but it also contributes to our total stress load and our, the demands on our body too. And so if we're looking to increase our metabolism and quote unquote, burn more calories, increasing our exercise isn't necessarily the way to do it. Mm -hmm. And definitely not the only way to do it. For sure. So with the reverse dieting process, then we need to understand how eating more food now affects these things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first example is when we increase the calories that we are consuming, we increase our thermic effect of food, okay? Because we are burning or we are eating more calories, which means we are requiring more calories to break down, digest, absorb that food, okay? Yeah. When we eat and then with more, oh, <laughs> we'll go back and forth on these. <laughs> okay, then your turn. 
Okay, so when we're eating more food, we're also therefore going to see an increase in NEAT. So I think a lot of times we think of like NEAT as like, oh, how can I purposely increase that? And sure, you can do things like have a standing desk, um, get up and walk around between meetings, things like that. But NEAT will also like uh, naturally increase as well. You will naturally find yourself moving more and being more energetic even just through the process of eating more food without being so intentional as to get up and purposely do things. Yeah. Yeah. An unconscious increase in mm-hmm. sure. mm-hmm. um, if we are increasing our body weight, whether that's from fat or muscle or both, we will see an increase in our basal metabolic rate. Okay. That being said, the more muscle we have, the bigger effect it has on our basal metabolic rate. Okay. So if we are prioritizing resistance training and building muscle, we're going to see um, quite exponential increases in our basal metabolic rate or the calories our body burns at rest. Yes. Um, next, what's next, um, with more food comes more energy. And so it is likely that you'll just naturally feel a lot better in the gym, be more excited to train and increase your EAT, your eat or your exercise activity thermogenesis as a byproduct of that. Again, that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're having a little bit more energy in the day that you need to add an extra hour on or start doing double days in the gym. That just means that, in general, like you won't feel that sluggish or flat feeling as often and generally you'll be more excited. And so there'll be probably less days skipped in the gym. Yeah. You'll be more consistent with it. Your work capacity and your energy output in the gym, even in the same amount of time will increase because you have more energy available to pull from. Yeah. So you'd be crushing those workouts and getting those gains, babe. (laughs) So we can see that with extra calories coming in, we have now increased every aspect or every component of our total daily energy expenditure. Okay. So that is kind of what happens in a reverse diet. And that's the goal is to see increases on both sides of that calories in versus calories out equation. Mm -hmm. But it's counterintuitive if you're not looking at the components of your daily energy expenditure, because if we know that like general rule, calories in, calories out, if you're eating more than you're like expending, you're going to gain weight. But through the reverse diet process, like we've just outlined all of the metrics contributing to our TDE also increase. And so you really need to look at all of these things and kind of understand the inner workings of our systems to recognize why that's possible. It's not black magic. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Magic, you just wave a wand and now all of a sudden we're just like burning all these calories in the day. Not quite how it works. Bibbity bobbity. Yeah. (laughs) So we want to remember that this is a slow process. Okay. We're not just going from like a 1500 calorie a day deficit to like, okay, now we're eating 2,500 calories a day. Cool. Nicola and Sarah said, this was going to be good for me. Okay. (laughs) We need to do this slowly. Okay. Because again, refer back to our previous episode, but when we diet, all of those aspects of energy expenditure decrease. Okay. So our total daily energy, energy expenditure has decreased. If we increase our calories too much, we are going to be in a surplus and thus we are going to gain weight at a rate that we are probably not hoping for in a reverse diet. So we need to do it slowly. So 
that is going to look different for everyone. Um, but why don't we kind of go into some examples of what that might look like? Sure. So let's say your previous maintenance calories before going into a diet phase were around like 1800 calories, where if you were eating that consistently day to day, you were neither gaining nor losing weight. But let's say you went into a diet and you were in a cut for three months and you dieted at 1500 calories. So a 300 calorie decrease. So that's like fairly moderate, but leaning towards like a substantial cut. Let's say in that three months, you lost five pounds. Now at a lower body weight, your maintenance calories won't be the same as they were before. So through the process of metabolic adaptation and noting the effects of eating less and looking back and how that affects your TDE, noticing that your body weight is also less, which affects your BMR, you will not be able to all of a sudden eat 1800 calories without then gaining back that weight because that you decreased in size, you had downregulation of your metabolism. So instead of simply jumping back to that 800, 1800 calories after your diet, you want to now find your new maintenance calories. So generally to do that, we can use a calculator. Okay. I always use tdeecalculator.net. Um, PN has a calculator. Really, there's like two main equations that the calculators are going to use, either the Harris-Benedict equation or the Mueller's, I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> Do you remember the other one? Isn't it Mueller? Yeah, something like that. Mueller. No, it's not Mueller. <laughs> um, but oh the Harris-Benedict equation is the most commonly used, okay, and basically it takes your height, your weight, and your activity level into consideration. Okay, so we'll use a calculator and maybe now that calculator is saying that our new maintenance calories are 1700. Okay, so that is what we're aiming to reverse towards. So we're gonna be moving from 1500 to 1700 calories initially by making small increases to our fats and carbs, either together or um, one at a time, okay? Yeah, and maybe now is a good time to add in the caveat that these calculators, these any sort of like equation that's trying to figure out your um, either your BMR or your total daily energy expenditure, they are not going to be super accurate. They can get us in the ballpark, but realistically, if we want to be super sure and confident in what those calories actually are for ourselves, um, we're probably going to need to see it in process. So be able to reach those calories and more or less be in the ballpark of them and see, you know, what happens to our bodies, what happens to the scale and that kind of thing to be really sure. And let's also note that our TDE isn't the same day to day. It's kind of a range and that range, depending on like what your day to day looks like, could be substantial, could be pretty marginal. Again, this depends on the person, but if that calculator is saying 1700 calories on the nose, by no means will you gain or lose weight if you're eating like a few calories off of that. For sure. It's definitely, definitely a range. Um, so that's important to keep in mind too, especially if you're someone who gets a little bit tied up to the numbers or is like a little bit of a perfectionist. Okay. We don't um, need to be perfect in this process by any means. So if we are moving from that 1500 to 1700, we might start by increasing, let's say for example, 10 grams of carbs and two grams of fat. 
Okay, knowing that carbs are four calories per gram. So that would be 40 calories from carbohydrates and fat is nine calories per gram. So that would be 18. So in total that week, we'd be adding 58 calories. Okay, <laughs> so that's a very minimal in increase um, in terms of like a percentage of overall calories. If you have more calories to work with or you were... Um, in a very severe deficit, you might want to do a bigger in, increase right off the bat. Generally, somewhere around like 5 to 10% of overall calories um, is where we kind of want to look at adding week to week or biweekly. Yeah, and that's kind of like where we talk about this idea of like a timeline and what to expect for that. Because I think too, for some people adding that, what was it? 58 calories a week might actually be too fast for some people. For others, it's not going to be enough. Um, and we might see the scale like stay the same or even decrease through those additions. Um, and so this is where like the trial and error and the kind of like dedication to the process comes in um, because you will want to be paying attention to a lot of things and moving at a rate that feels good for yourself and your body. Yeah. And so throughout this process, we need to be paying attention to, I mean, we want to be still keeping tabs on our body composition. So if we're using the scale, paying attention to that, um, potentially still taking progress photos and measurements as another kind of metric, but we also want to be paying attention to our biofeedback as well. Mm -hmm. and so we make that initial increase. Generally, we recommend staying there for a week or two and seeing how you're feeling. If weight seems pretty steady, Reminder that once we eat more food, the scale is probably going to increase. We might see a pound or two increase just from especially carbohydrates. Okay, so we're not really considering that as weight gain. Um, but if our weight is maintaining steady, then we can continue to add again. So we might mm -hmm. choose to, again, in a week or two weeks, add another 10 grams of carbs or two grams of fat, right? Or we might choose to add more or less. Yeah. Um, I had someone recently ask, well, how come you're doing 10 grams of carbs and two fats? Why not more fats and less carbs? Um, and that was a great question. And that kind of like addition would be totally up to you. Um, the calories, yeah, we are paying attention to the calorie increase, but how then you divide those calories up between fats and carbs matters more to you and your preferences. In general, most diets um, or most natural eating preferences include higher carbs than fats. And so 10 to two is just a kind of a good ratio to keep things moving along and making sure you're getting adequate carbs and fats in a way that still allows you to eat with your preferences. But if certainly if you were someone who ate a higher fat diet, you could say bump up by like five grams of fats and um, maybe five grams of carbs or something like that. Um, or there might be weeks where you specifically want just a fat, fat increase or just want a carb increase and you can do that as well. Yeah. Some other considerations there, if you are a athlete um, or you're performing high intensity exercise, you might want to consider increasing carbs sooner because your mm -hmm. sport, um, especially if you are a glycolytic athlete and compete in like CrossFit or weightlifting or something like that, um, your sport is going to benefit more from carbohydrates. Um, and the other thing to remember is that fats are over double the amount of calories per gram as carbs. So that's why we're never gonna, we're not gonna like add like 20 grams of fat in a week, probably <laughs> to a reverse diet. Whereas we might add 20 grams of carbs. That would be big. 
that would be a bigger jump. Um, that's why, that's why your fat target is always less than carbs because it contributes like much more to your calories. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we're going through this process and making the additions that feel right for us and make sense for our lifestyle, um, yeah, we're looking at biofeedback and the scale and Sarah touched on this. And I just want to reiterate that when we're talking about the scale, like holding steady, we're not saying that it needs to be the exact same every day. We still also want to note that there are going to be fluctuations day to day um, through various factors that I believe we've touched on in quite a few podcasts. Um, but we're looking at the trend on average for that week. And so it can be helpful if you're comfortable with weighing yourself daily just to get a sense of what is the weekly average versus if you only took your weight one day that week and you maybe unbeknownst to you took it on a day where it was naturally a little higher that might encourage you to make or not make an increase when you might have been able to yeah there's an app called happy scale that's a really nice app for tracking that and you can put in your daily averages and it will graph it out for you oh i've never heard of that yeah, Ocean told me about it because she always posts Ooh. things and I was like, what app is that? Um, our app that we use with our clients does that for us, which is really nice. But if you're doing this on your own, um, that's a great app. And um, yeah, understanding our weight is going to fluctuate. I could fl- frick one, one week. I literally, quote unquote, lost nine pounds because I like had a crazy weekend of eating. And then the next weekend we had this like fun weightlifting comp that I needed to make weight for. Oh, I remember that. You know, and it's not like I lost nine pounds of fat, but because of water retention and differences in food intake and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you're fluctuating within three to five pounds, like that's pretty, pretty standard. Okay. But like Nicholas said, we want to be taking that average weight throughout the week and using that kind of as our measure. Mm -hmm. and the more like body weight you naturally have the bigger that daily fluctuation could be yeah for sure so then we're just going to kind of go about that process adding weekly or bi-weekly until we notice that our weight is kind of holding steady around the number that we calculated okay and what we might see is that our maintenance could actually be higher or lower than what we calculated, right? In which case we would slow down our reverse diet if it was lower, right? Or we would keep adding food if it was higher. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. um, where or when might you see it be lower than anticipated? Mm, I mean, depending on how long you dieted for. So if you were in a, Nicola's like quizzing me. <laughs> I am, that was a trick, that was a Um, So if you were dieting for a very long time, um, or if your diet was very, very low calorie, okay, we might see it much lower um, than calculations. That's probably going to be the most, uh, like, what word am I looking for? Most common. Most common. Wow. That's what I was after with that. (laughs) Versus if you're maintenance calories end up being a lot higher than calculated um potentially the calculation used isn't um considering like your muscle mass or you got your activity levels wrong or your metabolism was just in a really solid state yeah so it's really up to you to be paying attention to the changes in your body and the changes in your biofeedback to determine kind of that rate of increase um which yeah can be challenging. It's very nice to have a coach for support through that process. Um, especially when we start to see like changes on the scale and stuff mentally, that can be 
have challenging, but it's just important to remember that this is a short-term piece of a long-term process, mm-hmm. you know, and the goal in a reverse diet is not to lose weight. So we need to make sure that we are going into that, knowing that and not having that expectation. Totally. The expectation makes a big difference. And I think too, this idea that if we're only defining progress in terms of weight loss, we're going to get really stumped here. Um, And so this is why with most of our clients, we focus maybe even more heavily on the biofeedback aspect of things, because we are making in reality so much progress through Mm -hmm. a reverse diet, because we end up feeling better. We can see improvements to digestion. We can see better sleep. Our performance is going to increase. We're going to feel higher energy day to day. There's more food flexibility. There are so many things that come with a reverse diet that maybe are not showing up on the number you're seeing on the scale, but it can be very easy to get caught up in that and miss all of the beautiful progress that comes through a reverse. For sure. For sure. We talk our clients off stopping their reverse diet (laughs) on the daily. On a daily. Yeah. I mean, it's a mentally, it's a mentally challenging process at times, but also on the other side, there's so many benefits um, Mm -hmm. where a lot of process and or progress in terms of our relationship with food and just like overall living our life happens. Um, and if you are still kind of focused on that scale, a lot of progress happens in terms of setting ourselves up for a future diet phase. Okay. Because if we can continue the reverse diet and actually work towards increasing our maintenance calories through the same process of reverse dieting, we are then in a way better spot to enter a calorie deficit next time because we have more calories to pull from, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if we went through this process, we dieted 1500 calories, we worked our way back up to 1700 and we only chilled there and we didn't do what we needed to in- increase from there. The next time we dieted, we now might have to diet at 1400 calories, mm-hmm. right? And so if we're not reverse dieting and continuing to try to increase our metabolism and increase our TDEE through building muscle and eating more food, well, then you're going to get to a point where you're not going to be able to lose weight anymore unless you're completely starving yourself, which we don't want that. No, we definitely do not. And when Sarah's talking about building up your maintenance calories and going through reverse, it's not just going through the reverse and being like sick my maintenance calories are 2000 now I'm going to diet again. It's building them up to a certain point and then staying there. So remember, um, you can go back to our last episode and talk about where we talk about the maintenance phase and how long approximately to stay there, but it's not like you reverse and then you go right back into a diet. You go through the process of a reverse and then you stay at your new maintenance for quite a period of time in order to make the most of that, allow your metabolism and all of the hormones and other things to catch up. And then later much much later you could consider going back into another diet keyword being could we never need to you need to need to diet Um, if it's something that's important to you and you feel like that's in a good you're in a good headspace mentally um, and your body is in a good place hormonally and metabolically cool um let's do it Um, but yeah i think there's a lot of pressure to to change our bodies and lose weight and I mean, we could make another podcast episode about some of like the societal expectations, but when we talk about this stuff, we never want it to, we never want to send the message that this is something we need to do. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, that's not at all 
our opinion or view, um, but we know a lot of our clients do come to us with that goal. So we hear talking about it. Yeah, we want to help you make make it. We want to help you do it as best and as healthily as possible. Yeah, and enjoyably for sure. Yeah, so let's review the benefits of reverse diet one more time. Really drive the message home. Okay. You want to go rapid speed fire back? Yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> more energy. Better training and performance. More calories for building muscle. And for delicious foods. Yes. More food flexibility. Yes. Chance to work on relationship with food and relationship with your body. And improve your biofeedback. Should we keep going? That's what we had written down, but we could probably think of more. Uh, keep going. <laughs> It's like that like categories game where you have to like think of oh god I'm terrible at that game. Um I get so nervous. Generally increased sex drive. Oh that's nice. Better hair, nails, and skin. Yeah. Um we are going to damn it, I had oh, this is where like a lot of life happens. I mean, that kind of goes into more food flexibility, but we're able to. I mean, enjoy more types of foods, enjoy social situations in a different capacity, that kind of stuff. Yep. You can be a little more lax with paying attention to like your calorie intake. Um, and it doesn't matter so much if you're not hitting the targets exactly. So, okay. That's good. <laughs> Increase mood because you get more snacks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Snack rows. Yum. Yum, yum. Yeah. So lots of benefits is really what we're going for there just tons just millions yeah so let's um kind of just give some takeaways and then okay done with this one okay so remember you don't need to diet but if you choose to we recommend only dieting like once a year and ensuring that you are properly reversing out of that diet Mm -hmm have an exit strategy for your diet in other terms. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, this is also a great time to have a coach, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. because there are a lot of mental and physical changes and challenges that come in the reverse diet. Um, so if you are someone who is looking for support, we would love to help you through this process. It's one of our favorite things to do with our clients. Yeah, honestly, I love reverse diet. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one, be patient and track multiple indicators. We do not just want to be looking at this scale. We also want to be looking at all of the other things, the biofeedback, how you're feeling, all of those things as well. Mm-hmm. And making sure we're not giving up on or abandoning the process just because the scale increases slightly. Because it will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That doesn't mean that we're moving backwards or not progressing. Nicola made a really great Instagram post on that. I feel like we've just been hustling on the reverse diet post lately. Yeah. Because there's, yeah, so much goes on there. They can feel really complicated in practice. It's easy. You're starting to eat more food, but the mind games that we can play with ourselves can kind of topple all of that stuff. Sure. Even I have a client that, um, she like struggles with feeling full Hmm. because she has always equated feeling full to gaining weight or being in a body that she doesn't feel comfortable in based on the standards yeah. that she's put on herself. Right. Um, so fullness can be even something that we struggle with, you know, mm-hmm. um, this shit is complex. Yeah, it is. 
So, and then lastly, oh, not lastly, um, but this won't be an exact or precise process. Okay. So we talk about kind of adding weekly or biweekly or whatever, um, and it, we can plan it out. Um, but the way that our body reacts, we don't know how that's going to happen. So we need to be open to being flexible and switching up strategies, not abandoning, switching up strategies throughout based on how our body is responding. And by switching up, she means either adding more quickly, adding more slowly, um, manipulating other variables like, say, our training load, our managing our stress differently, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, be patient. Again, remember, <laughs> be patient. That one's on there twice. <laughs> yeah, lots of us need that reminder. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the reverse diet in a nutshell. So mm-hmm. if you are, if you've listened to this episode and you have more questions, feel free to, you can shoot us an email on the website, um, or you can hit us up on Instagram at Fit at Nicholas Spencer or at Paradigm Nutrition underscore. And we are happy to try to answer some questions for you. With that note, we don't know your situation. We cannot coach you in the DMs. That would be unethical on our side, but we're happy to kind of give you some more information on the reverse diet process if you're needing it. And yeah, if you're interested in coaching and having some support through this process for yourself, we have spots open in shift still, which starts when this low, when this loads airs releases, (laughs) we will be still a few days out from shift. So there will still be time to get in. If you are interested in that, our group program. Um, and then we also have one-on-one coaching spots available. So, um, hit us up for that on those same channels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We need to fucking out. Fuck yes. Fuck no. Fuck yes to nine hours of sleep every night. My God, what What? a difference it makes. What is that? Oh yeah, you're not into that life. But if I'm not crushing nine hours of sleep every night, I am a nightmare of a human. So gotten back into my sleep routine. Feels real, real nice. I've been trying to get eight, but I find like when I'm, when I'm strategically focusing on sleep, I fucking stress about it more. And I like get into bed and I'm- Because then you're like- I need if to I get into bed at 9 30 and I fall asleep by 10 then I wake up at 6 and that'll be eight hours but what if I don't fall asleep right at 10 yeah and then you're like okay cool it's 9 it's 9 30 I should be asleep by 10 and then you like wake up to go pee or some shit and you're like don't look at the clock don't look at the clock like <sighs> which could bring you to the fuck no which is when you wake up to go pee in the middle of the night and you're like fuck yeah I gotta go back to bed and it's like 637 and you have like two more minutes before your alarm goes back <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> such a piss off or it's tough too when your partner has different sleep schedule mm-hmm. so like I generally go to bed earlier than Brad so I often wake up when he comes to bed mind you last night I didn't which was nice um and then vice versa in the morning I know that I wake him up when he's sleeping you know or they'll be hard that- for you. I'm asleep regardless <laughs> yeah. of what's going on around me. I set my alarm. Well, no, let me backtrack. Last night, Brandon's like, what time are you setting your alarm for tomorrow? And I looked at him and I was like, that's none of your fucking business. <laughs> because I'll tell him when I like set my alarm and he'll get up 
and they'll be like your alarm went off like why aren't you getting out of bed I'm like, leave me alone <laughs> don't yeah, judge me yeah yeah so if I don't tell him then he doesn't have anything to throw in my face later when I don't actually get up with my alarm right that's hilarious Brad can probably relate to that because yeah I'm just living in our delusions that's yeah. my thing is I'll always be like okay Brad said he's gonna get up at this time and then in my head I'll already tell myself like okay that means he's gonna like get breakfast ready and stuff like that and I can just chill <laughs> never fucking happens <laughs> and then I'm like all pissed at him that he like didn't get up and make me breakfast when he didn't even know that in my head I suppose yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk about some unrealistic expectations yeah yeah expectations not aligned um we should do a we'll do a little kind of a relationship something episode in the future we had some relationship questions on like the last q a (laughs) okay all right well that's good we hope you learned something and if you have questions you know where to find us hit us up Okay. Happy reverse dieting. Yay. Bye everyone. (laughs) Bye. Bye.